0: You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number five. Five golden episodes. Yep. I've been waiting for that. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today wherever this finds you. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. And if you're coming back, well, thanks for coming back. So today is going to be a great episode. We're going to pick up with the second half of the interview with Joy We We uh, We started in episode four. And so if you haven't heard episode four yet, you're going to want to go back and listen to that. We really tackled some really, uh, really good stuff there. Joy is a professional counselor. She is, uh, the ministry counselor at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. So over the course of a year, counsels thousands of teens, works with hundreds and hundreds of churches, youth pastors, and youth workers. And so she is on the forefront for sure of just helping hurting kids and hurting pastors and youth workers. So a lot of wisdom there. We tackled a lot of that in the first episode. We're going to pick up in this one with a question I asked right at the end of the last episode. And so she's going to lay out a few things here in response to that. We also talk about her book in here, which is a great book that everyone should certainly go and pick up and read. Uh, There'll be a link for that in the show notes, as well as all the other resources that we talk about and mention in here, you can find those over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 005. thelongerhall.com slash episode 005. As always, if you enjoy the show and the podcast, be sure and add it to your favorite RSS feed or uh, subscribe at iTunes and leave a review there. I'd greatly appreciate that. That helps other folks find the podcast, other youth pastors and youth workers, who can be helped and equipped, hopefully, through what we're doing here. You can also follow me over on Twitter at at Jody Livingston. That's J-O-D-Y Livingston. And, of course, the Longer Hall on Facebook. Questions, comments, you can leave on the post there below the show notes. And with that said, we'll jump right into the second half of the interview with Joy Anissa. If you're going to say to a youth pastor, I know this is a huge, I'm about to drop a huge, you know, open another <laughs> can. We don't have to do that. We don't... You don't have to take a lot of time to do this, but if you were just going to say, "Hey, here's here's a few things that you would say to to a youth pastor, if you've got kids struggling in any area, or you've got kids who are hurting, here are here are three or four five tips things that you you've got to do, how to approach that and how to do that."
1: Um, First and foremost, you got it. it you're going to have to invest time with that student, and it's with most people, you know. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's that old saying. And that's true regardless of what generation is before you. Um, So a lot of it's invest time and make it fun time. You know, most people can't handle too lengthy and too often of intense, deep conversation. I mean, you know, it's just not going to happen. And uh, most teens are ADD, whether they've been, you know, diagnosed or not. They are. So, you know, you got to think for every hour you're investing in that student, you know, one on one time, Um, probably out of that 60 minutes, you're going to have maybe 15 minutes of really meaningful conversation. Because a lot of times you're going to have to press in hard and back off, press in hard and back off, because ultimately at the end, what you want them to do is you want them to come around and be their idea right you know because if if they're doing it to please you then you're going to go away at some point and they're going to keep on doing what they're doing so time is is definitely one um two is i think sometimes the wisest thing we can do in a situation is know that we may not be the best fit for that student we may have to direct that student to someone else within our church that they know they'll identify with could be somebody with a similar issue that they've had victory over could be just somebody personality they connect with i connect more with personality types it's not so much if our if we even have a lot in common i just i connect with personality types um so sometimes it's personality driven uh and a lot of times the best thing to do if you're not connecting observe that student who who are who are you seeing them drawn to and they're going to give away who they like the most in your youth group. They're going to give away which youth leader, which volunteer they would rather spend time with. And so a lot of times it's relinquishing your role. And, um, so time knowing if, if you're not, if you're not the right fit, it's okay. It's not anything personal. You're just not the right fit.
0: It's important also in those situations to at that point invest in that other person so that you're not, you're not, out of the loop of what's happening, you're kind of coaching up, mentoring, you know, that person who's then in pouring into that student.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I do this every summer. Um, sometimes when some of our, you know, I'll have a situation a summer staff will come to me and say, this is a conversation I had last night with a student. I don't know what to say. Will you talk to them? And I can observe them at lunchtime and I'll know immediately they don't care anything that I have to say because they're always going to see me like their mother, <laughs> you know. So what I'll do is I will just text conversation starters to that summer staffer and I'll let them run with it. And I may never cross paths with that. I may never verbally talk to that student. But it's, it's at the end of the day, it's who has the most effect. And that's what you want. And then, uh, you know, so time, uh, we, you know, what your role is in that student's life or who is going to have the greatest impact in that student's life. Know know that. And then obviously third is um, how are you in a general arena communicating in a way that you're needing to speak to maybe three kids in your group, but you also know it's something that everybody has to hear so that those three don't feel singled out. I mean, you know how it is. You go to church and you walk out and you're like, I think the preacher was talking directly to me.
0: Yeah, usually he is because I'm <laughs> sitting in the front row.
1: <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> it's kind of that to really know the dynamic of your youth group. Um, to know when it's time to address something in a general forum, maybe because, okay, I've now have this brought in front of me five times in the last two weeks. So if if five kids out of 25 kids are struggling with this, well, there's more, they're just not being vocal about it or they haven't been caught or whatever. Um, so a lot of it is really understanding the dynamic of the group you work with. And then last but not least, obviously I would say is, you know, probably more than anybody, um, And what I see at Snowbird all the time is you're not a one-man band. You depend heavily on those full-time volunteers that want to invest in the youth in your church. And so you have got to invest probably on a monthly basis to some degree into your volunteers as a group away from the youth. Um, That's huge because... They're having conversations that you're never going to know about. That's happening. It's happening on Facebook, text messages, you know, whatever. And so make sure they're not getting burned out. Make sure one kid isn't monopolizing their time. That can happen sometimes. And as a volunteer, they may not know how to, you know, set boundaries and things like that. So, you know, I would say, I mean, there's so much more, I'm sure, that. Sure another a youth pastor would tell you something differently but
0: well no i think those are the things i would probably say as well and then uh, along with kind of number 2 and number 4 is like you got to know when to refer and get folks yeah. out and i've written on the blog before like hey there's there's probably four people every youth pastor should know and have a good relationship with you know you got to know the school counselor at the schools you serve at least they need to know you exist um and if if you you know and, and in some cases like for us, I mean, we're ministering to, but there's a ton of high schools and we're in Metro Atlanta, you know, we're pulling from dozens of schools. I can't know all of those. um, But I you only know, on a on a deep level, but I, they, you know, I need to know who they are. They need to know me. You need to have somebody on the police force that, you know, that you can call if something yeah. goes on somebody, you know, with social services, I think that you can call um, yeah. that you have a relationship with. And then a really solid biblical counselor that, that, you know, and have sat down with, talked to, kind of interviewed, if you will, because yeah. just because it says Christian doesn't mean it's good, um, just like churches. And so you want to want to make sure you know that you have those relationships, and then obviously you want to try to involve the parents when possible to whatever extent you can. And so you really kind of put a team around yeah. those students, and and everybody has to be on the same page in in that sense that we're all loving first. It kind of yeah. come full circle I guess on that. Um yeah. so, you know, I I'll, I'll put a link to that post I think in the in the show notes. But, um that that's just I see a lot of youth pastors who don't have those relationships with mm-hmm. people in in their community and you you got to have them because it's listen, something's going to happen where you're going to need to call somebody and it's too late at that point to try to figure out who to call. You you got to yeah. know early on if I mean if you're new at a church one of the first things you ought to do is find those people and sit down with them I mean, I would do that week one if if it were me because you have no idea what's waiting for you anyway, so be 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 prepared yeah okay let me let's talk about the book a little bit and sure. you know I know <clears throat> I know we've kind of gone a little bit long here, but that's okay. This is good stuff. um tell a little about the the book's identity crisis, right um and it's great. it's great. that was a long process. I know we talked some during that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and there's a lot that goes into writing a book clearly. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about the book, those listening, um, what, what made you say, Hey, I'm going to write a book.
1: <laughs> well, I think deep down, uh, that's always been a, uh, a- a goal or a dream or whatever you want to call it. I've, I like to write to a fault. Like I was the nerd that loved the term papers. I got excited. You know, that was me. So I love to write. It's just a great outlet for me. It's very relaxing. I don't see it as a chore. I did not pass that on to my children. So it's disappointing. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, it is something I do love to do, but honestly, um, identity crisis, moving from crisis to credibility, that came about really, obviously, out of my own story. Now, my publisher, my editor, everyone—we realized from the very beginning that it wasn't actually going to be my story. I needed to write it in such a way that anyone could pick it up and find themselves in this book. Because the bottom line is, none of us are exempt from a crisis. Sure. If, it happened, if you know, if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen. It. You know, it may not be what my crisis was, and I hope it won't be, but you never know. Um, but ultimately, uh, my crisis was divorce, and, um, it rocked my world. I would say, I mean, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian school, went to Liberty University. You know, I, I never in a million years thought I would be that girl, you know, at all. Um, but after 14 years, the marriage ended. at his will, not mine. Um, And I was served papers and uh, I fought, I I can say this. I do have a clear conscience in the area that I fought hard for my marriage. Um, But in that the Lord showed me even so talking about when we were talking about his character earlier in your darkest days you see the character of God. I don't know that you can see anywhere else. Yeah, you see it in the dark. And the one thing that the Lord showed me through all of that, you know, we love to say God is good. I mean, how often do you say God answer my prayer? God is good. Or God yeah. came through. God is good. Here's the question. What if God doesn't come through?
0: Yeah. What if the answer is no? I've written on that. But what if the answer is
1: no? He's still no? good. Yeah. He's still good. And, for whatever reason, the Lord did not perform the miracle that I preferred. He did not save my marriage. He did not, you know, the. In the end, it crumbled. Yeah. But the thing that the Lord challenged me in that and grew me, and really, um, dug deep into my life was it doesn't matter the circumstances. He is still good. He is still faithful. He is still loving. He is still in control. He is still sovereign in all of those things. And um I, there was a sermon that Johnny Hunt, the pastor of First Baptist Woodstock, he preached back in 2011 uh, called God is in your storm. I listened to it so much, Jody. I had it memorized word for word. I mean, I didn't have to listen to the sermon. I could repeat the sermon, yeah, and um, it's a powerful sermon, but he says something in this sermon, and it actually became an entire chapter in the book and Pastor Hunt was very gracious, and he endorsed the book and um but he's he made a quote, and I think this sums up this will give a great picture of the book overall in this quote, and it says, sometimes God chooses. To dig the well of joy with the spade of sorrow.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's and good.
1: It, and when he said that in that sermon, I I would repeat that self to you know because all I had was sorrow, all I had you know, um, I felt like I was everything was being sh- taken, stolen, <laughs> stripped away from me. I had no control. And in the midst of this, remember, I was the marriage and family counselor at a very large church <laughs> in middle right, of Georgia. Right. Your marriage and family counselor is not supposed to go through a divorce. <laughs> it's not supposed right. to happen. And so it really, I think it brought things to light um, within our staff that we never really talked about. We really began to have those real life conversations because someone in their midst was going through such a dark trial. But I have to say, um, the book is obviously is not just gloom, despair and agony on me. It is hope um, in the midst of what seems hopeless Um, because life shatters. You live long enough. Something is going to happen that you have absolutely no control over that will fly in the face of everything you stand for, everything you believe in. And it will rock you to your core. And it may not happen to you personally. You may watch it happen to one of your children. It may be your grandchild. It may be your parent, your sibling, someone on your spouse. Something's good. Something will happen in your life because I think you have, we have the Job. I mean, we have so many stories of people's lives, real people, ordinary people in scripture, and it happened. I don't I yeah. can't think of one person that it didn't happen to. Yeah. I can't think yeah. of one. And,
0: it, and I think even going back to what we were talking about earlier with students who are in struggles, I mean that's that's the lesson learned here is that you really learn the character and nature of God in difficulty. You you learn the goodness of God in in those moments and and you you know when we teach our kids unintentionally that if you come to Jesus, it'll be all right. We are, I mean, and that's, I mean, there's truth in that. Don't get me wrong. There's truth in that, but it's not the all right that we think of. And it's not the all right that they're thinking. And so I think to be able to steer and walk through and, um and just encourage in those, and just to see the love of God when things aren't good. right? And that's, yeah. if, and I, I made this statement last Wednesday, we, we were teaching, you know, I said, if you worship, if your worship to God, if, if your worship of God is only, only feels powerful or the experience only feels good when life is good, it's probably not really worship of God. It's more worship of circumstance. And so our worship of God should never change, you know, it because we worship him for who he is, not what he does. The, what he does, the blessings he gives, the faithfulness of the Lord, those drive us to the character of who he is. And it should deepen our worship, but it should not, you know, it should not define our worship. And, um, yeah.
1: And, you know, I look back over the past, you know, since about 2008 to now. And I mean, it makes my head spin. I would have never in a million years, one thought that I would be a part of a ministry such as Snowbird. Um, and, and the Lord to open the doors he has for me to speak, I speak at women's conferences and things like that. And and to open up doors for that, because honestly, my worst fear is, I know, I know because I've lived it, but there's a reason that God says in scripture, he hates divorce. I mean, there's a reason. However, I think Satan uses an event such as divorce to somehow convince the believer They're labeled, and now they're useless. Yeah. And the one thing the Lord comforted me in, because I did feel useless. I lost, I mean, I knew at some point I had to walk away from being the marriage family counselor, you know, at a ministry that I love dearly. Didn't know what that was going to look like at the time. And, you know, I had no, I had no um, connection with Snowbird, you know, um, prior to the director calling me and offering me the job because they had a position that was needed for that. I think I had spoke to Brody a total of 30 minutes. I couldn't tell you one thing about him and he couldn't tell you anything (laughs) about me. So it wasn't like I had had this relationship with Snowbird and they found out what had happened. They felt sorry for me and called me. It wasn't, it wasn't like that at all, but the Lord, you know, I based the book, the book Identity Crisis came out of my own study. I studied for two years. I just stayed in the book of Nehemiah. It's like the Lord just parked me there. And we like to use Nehemiah anytime we have a building project going on at our church. <laughs> <laughs> right. After You're studying right. Nehemiah, just so you know, it has nothing to do with a building project at your church. And um, the Lord taught me so much about, talk about his character, but he taught me about a process that there's a, there's a process to our restoration and, um, Jerusalem wasn't rebuilt overnight. It took a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears for the people that took on that task. And, um, but, but what I learned in that is before I could even entrust myself to the Lord and entrust myself to his process for the restoration. And that's key. It's his process, not my process of the restoration. Was I had to really know what was damaged. I had to know what was yeah. damaged within me. And, but I couldn't get past the, well, I'm useless because I'm divorced. No, I'm never going to speak again in a women's conference. I'm never going to, I mean, I, I just felt like churches would say, I'm sorry, we can't use you, you know? And uh, so I'd go through this. I'd be invited to speak at women's conferences and immediately I would, you know, say, You do understand I'm divorced. I mean, I felt like I had to say it, like,
0: <laughs> you know. Right.
1: kind of thing. And the one thing that the Lord showed me is we think labels are bad and I don't think labels are bad. I'm okay with saying I'm divorced, not in a I'm okay with it. You know what I'm saying? There's there's pain and and I'll be healing for years to come. But what I mean by that is Rahab's label was never removed. She's always Rahab the harlot right and 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 with the Lord, <laughs> I think he just has a great sense of humor sometimes and and when I saw that and our and it just came to life, I thought, you know why? Because every time we see her label, we're reminded of her story, of how she was redeemed and rescued and restored. Yeah, and so what if we began to look at our labels to point us back and to point everybody back? to our story of redemption, restoration and rescue Mm,
0: and start trying to
1: get away from our label, you know? So if you're, you know, let's say you're Katie and you feel like your label is always going to be, you know, the one with the eating disorder, (laughs) Katie, the eating disorder, you know, what if it's then we, we go into youth ministry. What if, what if we stop telling Katie to, you need to stop thinking of yourself that way. Maybe she's never supposed to stop. Maybe that's God's way of always putting his grace grace in front of her every day. Yeah. And that yeah. he's redeemed her, restored her, whatever. You know, if it's you know, whatever it is. And so I think so often we want restoration to automatically remove the label. And my labels never going to be removed. It, I mean, it yeah. never is. And so through that, the Lord just, as I was, I mean, so much of this book comes right out of my journal. So some some parts were easy to write because it was right there. But I think that the publisher and the editor, they did a really good job of directing me so that anyone can pick up this book and read it. And it's not a how-to book. If you do these 10 steps, life will be, life will be perfect. <laughs> it's a, what it is is it really is if 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 you wanted to put it as a how-to book i would have to say this it's a how to live with joy in the midst of your circumstances that's what it is yeah.
0: i would agree with sense. that i would agree with that so um the I, i've been asking everybody for a, a resource at the end that they would recommend to folks other than your book which where can where can folks find the book
1: Am, it's on amazon barnes and nobles it's Available for Kindle. It's Nook. I think Walmart now has it. Target has it. Um, it's now also on iBooks with Apple also. Cool. Um, it's in a variety of places, but Amazon, obviously, is usually people's go-to. So,
0: Yeah. And if people want to find you, where can they find you?
1: Joyanisa.com. And there's a link there to my blog um, also.
0: Okay. Okay. So we'll put all that in the show notes for you. And then a resource, would it be... I know you mentioned uh, faithful
1: definitely, and true yeah. ministries faithful, earlier. Definitely faithful and true ministries. Doctor Mark Laser and his name's spelled different. It's L A A S E R. Doctor Mark Laser. Um, I really encourage pastors, youth pastors, parents. Um, he has a, I mean, books, workbooks, podcasts, blogs, you name it. He's a, and his wife Deborah. They're great.
0: That's awesome. Well, great. Well, Joy, thank you so much. Uh, man, I encourage everybody to go get the book. It is phenomenal. It really is a good, uh just a, a good resource. Even if you're not in a difficult circumstance, you're going to know people are. And again, at some point you will enter into that. So just a great, great, great book. Um, thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome. We'll, all right. Thanks. Well, there you have it. The rest of the interview with Joy and Nisa uh, just a great interview overall. It was so, so good the whole the whole conversation I enjoyed so much. lot of stuff there, a lot of information in both episodes, both for and in this one that you can use and take, uh, hopefully that you will find helpful in that. Uh, all of the links that we mentioned uh, will be in the show notes. Again, I would highly encourage you to go pick up Joy's book, Crisis from Crisis to Credibility. Such a good read, just an incredible lady with a just an incredible testimony, loves Jesus with everything she has in her, and loves people, and serves, and steers, and uh, just counsels so, so many. She's a great, great resource for youth pastors and youth workers. I hope you really enjoyed the episode and the interview and found something helpful there. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes and subscribe there or on Stitcher. Leave a positive review there. That really helps other folks find it. And be sure to check out the show notes over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 005. thelongerhall.com slash episode 005. And that'll do it for us here today in this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry
1: Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.